Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is August 15th, 2019, and um, it's a it's actually a national holiday in Greece. Uh, it's a religious holiday, I would say. Uh, so where do we start today? Other than that, it's Thursday, and things are coming at us at all directions. And as predicted by many people, another mass shooting was just um, waiting to happen. And this time, police officers were shot. And while this shootout was going, right, this horrific, you know, not white supremacy once again issue, we had Colin Kaepernick, the biggest tool on the planet, such a clown celebrating how it was the day that he knelt on the field or some rubbish like that. Remember, it was when he kneeled and um, was wearing socks with piggies representing that police are pigs while they were being shot at. I mean, Nike sure knows how to pick them. You know, a guy who rides his bike doped up you know, and then claims, oh, I raced Pence and I won. It's like, really? A guy that's not supposed to be a career athlete like you? Anyway, regardless, forget Pence. Let's not talk about him. I don't want to talk about Pence. Out of respect to my president, I won't talk about Pence. Um, moving along. So we had that. We had the shooting. Turns out all these people were arrested. There were multiple arrests. All over marijuana. I mean, that just seems really weird. And then the weirder thing is, is that everyone was trolling social media. And one thing we did too. And I found that this Maurice Hill had like 150 different like, profiles on Facebook, but they were all linking to the same people. And the way I tracked, you know, the shooter down before, um, you know, his official photo, his mugshot was released was, by tracking down that woman that was screaming in the video, telling one of the guys that was arrested earlier, put you, just get in the car, just, just get in the car. You know, this mama going, hey, baby, just get in the car. I, I, I tracked the right profile down from that picture because they're all connected. They're all friends. They're all relatives or they all have like baby daddy, mama, you know, your baby daddy or, you know my baby's daddy kind of thing situation going on. So they're very close networked. Um, so it just seemed really weird uh, that not only did we see this shootout happen over something stupid like marijuana, but, it, you know, it, when it's actually legal in most states, I mean, they had a lot, but coming from a place where, you know, shit parked with tons of cocaine, I mean, are you going to be surprised? So besides 
that going on. We had Kamala Harris coming out before she knew anything about the shooting, you know, politicizing it. And even the mayor came out and asked, oh, yeah, we need to, like, you know, ban guns. I mean, how did that work out for, you know, drugs? I mean, I'm pretty sure that it's illegal to go buy heroin. You don't even, you can't even get a background check for that. Or meth, right? You don't even, you can't get a background check. You just don't get it, period. So what if we ban guns too? Does that mean that we're not going to get guns? I mean, heroin plagues our nation. So does meth. I mean, it it makes absolutely no sense because the bad guys are going to have guns if they want them. Regardless, they'll find them. I mean, Obama was selling guns to the cartels in Mexico. I'm pretty sure, you know, that was a problem. And if the president of the United States can sell weapons to cartels and, you know, maneuver himself illegally, um, I think uh, any low-life criminal can do the same. So, you know, this whole talk about gun regulations, red flag laws, let's keep in mind the same idiots, the same idiots that report you on Facebook and on Twitter are going to be the same idiots reporting you for red flag laws. There will be unknown trolls sitting on their lawn chairs, wiping Dorito on their chest, asking for their mom, you know, screaming, mom, give me a cup of milk. Those are the type of people. Now, um, that is the pure insanity because it's people that do things that I've witnessed. So I'm reaching out to a friend of mine. Uh, she's a friend of mine on Facebook, and I'm going to ask her if I can actually use her information. She actually was trying to sell some old Christmas ornaments on Facebook Marketplace. Okay, guys? So she put them up there. There's like snowmen and Santa Claus, you know, nothing too crazy. And... She couldn't put the ad. It kept telling her that it was against Facebook regulations. She was like, what the? So she went in there and changed the title from Christmas ornaments to holiday ornaments, and it was allowed. So I am telling you now, if you try to sell anything or put anything with Christmas, you're probably going to be locked out of your account, or they're going to tell you you go against the rules of Facebook. Now, I'm getting that information, so that way I can put it together uh, in an article, because this is beyond me. You know, I suggested, hey, why don't you put Muhammad ornaments? Maybe that'll pass, because it did. See, when, uh, you know, someone posts pictures that refer to Christianity, they freak out. But when they post things about other religions, well, no, even for Jewish ones, they freak out. So, you know, that'll be an interesting test to see if you can sell, you know, Jewish or Hanukkah dreidels. I mean, why is Christmas banned? Maybe I should put Hanukkah ornaments and pretend that I'm selling them and see how that works. I don't know. It's just really weird. The the whole, you know, tech industry is driving me insane. It's like, who are these people? And then you see, you know, things like in the Federalist, I saw an article where this boy went to his engineering school in Virginia and he has this tag that says his pronoun, he, he, he him, his, and himself. Are we kidding? This is, I mean, not even the left can handle it. It is horrific. It is stupid. It is disgusting it is uh, it's just pure insanity and you know what's even more insane that we have these idiots that claim to be um you know journalists 
pushing things that are so stupid. Uh, this morning, I ran across uh, Matt Pierce from, I think he writes for, uh, let me remember, uh, for the LA Times, right? Yeah, he writes for the LA Times. And basically, he, write, he tweets out, the thing about this rhetoric is not just that it's incredibly incendiary, they hate all Jewish people, but that the president can even muster this level of visceral contempt for an actual violent white... Uh, it cannot muster this level of visceral contempt for actual violent white nationalists like the uh, El Paso gunmen. So, you know, I had to uh, respond. And the reason I had to respond is because here we go again, uh, the leftist media pushing fake news. The El Paso shooter was not, and I repeat, was not a white supremacist. He was all about fruity things like um, tree hugging and climate change. So he was nowhere near. So obviously this guy didn't even read the manifesto. I mean, he doesn't even deserve his job for putting such fake news. So I had to set him straight, of course. And I was like, well, Paso wasn't white supremacy because did you even read the manifesto? And then the Dayton shooter psh, loves Elizabeth Warren and Bernie and Philly. Well, I don't know. Look at all that white supremacy. I mean, it's just incredible how they try to feed us this propaganda, these fake news, and we're supposed to just sit there and eat it up. It is I, I, it's, it, it, it's beyond me. I, like, I don't even understand how this is happening. In the meantime, you know, we have uh, a lot of people um, talking about how we need to be a little bit more considerate. Well, here's how we are a little bit more considerate. By looking at facts, um, I finally edited my Hong Kong piece, and I'm glad I'm putting it up now today because it's important that people understand what's going on in Hong Kong. And, you know, like I said, tons of publications that editors run my pieces with their names across the nation were like, oh, my gosh, this looks so communist. And I was like, what? You're siding with China. No, I'm not. We're supposed to be like pro Hong Kong. Uh, nobody cares. Here's the thing with Hong Kong, guys. And I said it yesterday, too. And the bottom line is, is that in Hong Kong, They've actually rescinded that law now and they have chaos. They've got riots going on the same type just on a way bigger scale because they've got millions of people like Ferguson. They're setting things on fire. They are killing the Hong Kong businesses are being torched. They're caught in the air quote as the leftist globalist fake news media wants to put it crossfire. No, it's not crossfire. They're targeted. They were beating people, random people up in the airport. People that weren't even remotely looking like they were from China or Hong Kong. They, they were attacking a black pilot because what? They want to get freedom from China. They want to secede because in essence, they're part of China. They want to secede. Do it. Well, why, are you, why are you harming other people? And like I said, it can be really, really bloody. It can be really, really bad because no revolution happens without blood spill, okay? None. And so I was right again, like I've said before, to my friends that are in the industry, look at what our president has been tweeting today. He said, I know President Xi, uh, he said it yesterday first, I know President Xi of China very well. He's a great leader who very much has the respect of his people. 
He is also a good man in a tough business. I have zero doubt that if President Xi wants to quickly and humanely solve the Hong Kong problem, he could do it. Personal meeting. And now he says, he retweets it today, two hours ago, and says, if President Xi would meet me directly and personally with the protesters, there would be a happy and enlightened ending to the Hong Kong problem. I have no doubt. Why? We already know who paid to infiltrate the protest. I made mention of that. Um, Because what we don't seem to understand, that there are other factors coming into play when you see things like this. It's not just, oh, yeah, it's like suddenly they decided to wake up in, in, in the wake of this law. Okay, but they were peaceful. What happened? How did it go from protesting and, you know, marching and showing signs from zero to 100 like this where they're tearing up the place, where airports need to be shut down? Things just don't flip on, you know, on their head like that from zero to 100. There's got to be a catalyst. And that catalyst is money. And that money is coming from where? Exactly. So when we're talking about global issues and other people's issues, we have to take everything with a grain of salt. So for example, uh, in 2013, uh, there was, there were articles going around about how Iran was passing a law to allow, um, men who adopted children to marry their daughters. And so there was global outrage, like, how dare you? And they're marrying their kid. And, you know, um, and I just want you to know that child marriages in Iran are normal. And the majority that happen under the age of 10, right, under the age of 10 happen in Tehran, you know, because, you know, the religion is just great. It just allows that stuff because it's so awesome, right? <sighs> it makes me shudder just thinking about it. So there was outrage and everything. And what happened? That outrage didn't help the people that they were outraged for, didn't help the situation. In fact, it helped pass it a lot faster. Because no country likes to be told what to do. And in any case, especially a country that loathes your way of life. Now, I'm not saying that the Chinese or the people of Hong Kong loathe uh, the way we live. I mean, they were owned by the Brits, okay? They were owned by England. They were part of the crown, okay? Mm -hmm. They were owned. Keep that word in mind, owned, and then allowed to leave. So they're more westernized than most Chinese. This is why they have their own set of laws. So like, for example, if Alaska used to be owned by Russia, and then now they're part of the United States voluntarily, they're probably going to have leftover Russian laws, right? And this is why they would have, it would be one country, two separate governments. Get it? So this uh, China-Hong Kong thing, you know, this fake outrage, fake outrage, and uh, it's just driving me insane just watching the news. So incredible. And the coverage (laughs) is incredible, too. They don't show the bad things they do. They actually soft push it, you know. So I want to play a clip from uh, uh, CNA, which is a Singaporean uh, news channel. Take a listen to what they have to say about Hong Kong. Hong Kong have been caught in the crossfire as the city's political unrest have hit the retail, travel and financial sectors hard. 
Business leaders have pleaded for protesters to end the violence amid fears that the economy could pummel even further. Now, Afifa Arifin tells us more. Hong Kong's airport authorities are still reeling in the crippling effect of the disruptions. Peaceful sit-in protests morphed into scenes of chaos, forcing the authorities to suspend operations. On Tuesday, streams of protesters made their way to the terminals, paralyzing the road traffic to the airport and occupied the departure terminal. Hundreds of flights were cancelled and thousands of passengers were left stranded. The city's ongoing political turbulence is already having a noticeable impact on the city's economy. According to Bloomberg Economics, more than $600 billion of stock market value has been erased since early July. Retail sales have also plunged 7% in June versus the previous year. Okay, so I'm just going to pause it there. $600 billion vacated. $600 billion vacated from the Hong Kong economy due to their market because of these protests. Can you see what is behind these protests? You know, everybody wants to dress everything up in flowers and, oh, it's all about freedom. Yes, at the core. This is how, this is how you manipulate people. How did Hitler manipulate people into following him? He manipulated them by telling them how their greatest fears can be reality if they don't take hold. And this is what they did to the people of Hong Kong. They exploited that and they're losing money. Who wants Hong Kong to lose money? That's the questions that you should be asking. Because again, a revolution that was peaceful doesn't go from zero to a hundred where local businesses are begging protesters, please stop killing my business. Stop setting my stuff on fire. I don't have food to put on the table, please. And they just don't care. And again, if this is a bona fide revolution, we expect this. But is it? That's the question. Yeah, as a result of a decrease in tourist arrivals. Even smaller shops in heartland areas have reported a fall in earnings. Many have shut their stores much earlier, fearing that they will be caught amid protests, which have become unpredictable and increasingly violent. There's a lot of short-term volatility, certainly, and there could be damage of a nature that's everywhere from the remainder of this year into next year. It hasn't shown up in a massive way in the figures yet, but we're expecting this will show up more and more. So everything from airlines to, again, the financial services and then property. The business community here have voiced their concerns on the economic impact if the standoff continues and have called for an end to the escalating violence. I've been through these kind of uh, incidents during the Asian financial crisis. Uh, I've been through through SARS in Hong Kong. Um, and unfortunately, this one seems to be worse. Well, business leaders are all coming out and saying the same thing. Stop the violence. Everyone can sit down and talk. And, and once that is done, uh, then at least uh, we can move forward. But despite the calls, protesters have remained defiant as mass protests enter the 11th week with no clear end in sight. 
Observers say the short-term worry is that the economy could be headed for a recession as the unrest piles on the ongoing trade war between the U.S. and China. But an even bigger fear is that the economic downdraft caused by the protests could result in irreparable damage to Hong Kong's reputation as a safe and reliable business hub in the long run. Oh, dear. So... Did you get that? That was the whole juice, the sauce, the core of what's going on. They're making Hong Kong look like it's an unreliable place. Are you getting it now? And why? So China is deliberating whether to work with the United States. They're very firm because it will hurt their business. On the other hand, they have other forces working to show to them that, hey, look what's happening in Hong Kong. You think that's bad. This is just a taster. So this is the concerns that China has. And so before everyone starts saying, well, you know, they use force, they brought in military or they're bringing in tanks and the police are throwing tear gas and rubber. What did we do in Ferguson when they were setting things on fire, guys? Do you remember the tear gas and the rubber bullets? And everyone, can, oh my gosh, you just shot a protester with a rubber bullet. Well, that protester just looted Best Buy and set it on fire. Or, I don't care, go home, there's a curfew, we set a curfew, so if you're a bona fide just protester, you protest up until that curfew. You stay over that, you're not really protesting, you're here to, to, to take part in the riots. So, you know, objectivity is important when we're looking at things like this, no matter how... Uh, you know, one may feel about a nation or anything, right? It is always objectivity. And in the case of, you know, the 2013 law that Iran was passing for fathers to be adopting their stepkids or their daughters, there was so much outcry. And I'll tell you what, the Ayatollah was not for it. And he was firm on it. But the, their parliament, their people, their Congress, whatever you want to call their system, their lawmakers decided to pass it out of defiance. You know, they wanted to put their foot down and say nobody could tell us what to do and because they're perverts. But anyway, so that is what is happening right now in, uh, you know, China. Now, we have more fake outrage. Well, kind of sort of fake outrage taken out of context comments. So I'm not a huge fan of Steve King. Okay, not a huge fan. Um, you know, they've already taken a stab at him, and I'm wondering what m must Steve King be doing in the background to be angering all of them? Is this guy super squeaky clean and he's got dirt on people? Because this is the second round of attacks. I mean, the first time they attacked him, even though the president likes him, you know, he had to d deny him to get on Air Force One when he was flying out to, to rally in his state. So you have to think, like, what does Steve King have on Republicans and Democrats where they come out and they throw him under the bus? Now, his comments, as um, you'll hear right now, were shocking if taken out of context. Take a listen. Condemning comments again from one of their own this morning. Iowa Congressman Steve King speaking before a conservative group in his state yesterday. He defended his call for a ban on all abortions. He asked how many humans would be on Earth today if it were not for those conceived through rape and incest. What if we went back through all the family trees and just pulled those people out that were products of rape and incest? Would there be any population of the world left? If
Okay, so what he said is, if we go back into those family trees and pluck out all those people that were a product of rape and incest, would there be any population of the world left if we did that? Ed O'Keefe is on Capitol Hill. Ed, what are Republicans saying about his comments this time? I have to say it's pretty jaw-dropping. Yeah, well, Gail, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy is criticizing the comments, and so are other party leaders. This isn't the first time they've had to do so. King has represented Northwest Iowa in Congress since at least 2003, and Long has been considered the most anti-immigrant lawmaker in Congress. He made the comments about abortion Wednesday while defending an anti-abortion bill he's written that would not allow exceptions for rape or incest. Earlier this year, Republican leadership stripped King of committee assignments after the New York Times quoted him as saying, white nationalist, white supremacist, Western civilization. How did that language become offensive? King says he was misquoted. And they're right. He was misquoted. He's like, what does white nationalist mean? So is there a black nationalist, a Latino nationalist? That's okay. Western civilization. How are those things offensive? For me, I don't see anything wrong with what he said. Yet they attacked him. And now they attack him with what he's saying. Guys, he's right. Because if you pluck out every single person throughout history that 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 was conceived through rape and incest, you wouldn't have the people we have today. And I'm I could just pluck out a few examples. Alexander the Great was a um, was a product of 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 rape and incest. Oedipus, uh, Achilles, two Caesars. Two Caesars, right? Uh, King Tut, uh, you know, Genghis Khan, you know, uh, all these people, all these leaders, all these legends <laughs> were born out of rape and incest because, you know, back then women didn't have rights and they were ergo raped. So, you know, do you think that the kings of England that married the queens that were married off to them that were way younger than that they didn't really like the king because he was like 100 and they were like 20? Uh, that was like voluntarily having sex? No, that was rape too. How many kings and queens have committed incest? Tons throughout history. So what he said was 100% correct. Fake outrage. And when I see conservatives jump on that train too, makes me irk. I'll see you all in just a bit. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot, on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. 
Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So where do we start? Let's start with uh, let's start with Epstein. I think it's important that we listen to this clip. This morning, surrounding Jeffrey Epstein's apparent suicide. Yeah, the autopsy reportedly showing broken bones in his neck, raising more questions about his final cause of death. Fox News contributor Andrew McCarthy served as chief assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York and had defendants in the same jail at one time or another. He joins us right now live. Andy, good, good morning. morning to you. Apparently. Um, broken bones in the neck, but one in particular, the hyoid bone near the Adam's apple, which is more common in strangulation murders than suicidal hangings, it is written in this morning's papers. Yeah, but what you what you just said, the word strangulation may be less important than the words more common. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not inconsistent with suicide. And what I hate about these leaks is autopsy leaks any kind of leaks about investigations where people cherry pick what facts that they want to put out under circumstances where we know in most investigations we need to have a comprehensive understanding of of everything and you can put too much or too little emphasis on individual facts to me i would want to know if they actually had video of the common areas of of the jail Mm -hmm. and they could tell whether someone else was able to get in and out of the cell that to me would be at least as important a piece of evidence as what what do you think really happened i'm going to assume it was a suicide until there's powerful evidence that there's not um okay before he continues i just want to say i'm with him on the fact that i don't like people cherry picking you know things and talking about it okay that's me too i can't stand it i loathe it now in regards to the autopsy I'll tell you something about the hyoid bone. So the hyoid bone is like a little bone that sits in the front of your neck. Now, yes, in hangings, you do see it at about 9%. Because what happens is, is there's usually asphyxiation that happens. If you do crack your neck, it's not there. Um, You know, you, if it's basically to crack the hyoid bone, you have to have blunt force trauma to the neck, to the front of the neck. Okay. Just so you guys understand. Now, 
we've seen pictures of Epstein. His hyoid bone is kind of low because he had like a abnormally large head, a thick neck, and it was a little bit longer. So I urge you to just take pictures of him and, and, and see them. Those that where he had like, uh, you know, a couple buttons opened on his shirt or whatever. Now, uh, it is, it is indeed 9% of the time it's due to hangings, but it's not usually, uh, even though there has been research to show you have to see other bones. So if it was due to hanging, he would only have, uh, the hyoid bone cracked, but he would still die from asphyxiation. In this case, the autopsy showed multiple bones cracked. Now what happens is now, uh, the, you know, there's a further examination that's going to be done because when you manually strangulate someone, right? The person's dead and you're still pushing down. It's not like in the movies where the people are like, uh, you know, oh my God. And then they just go limp and the guy lets go because that could totally mean that you're out of breath or, you know, they made you pass out. You know how, how you hold someone in like a chokehold, right? So what does the killer do to make sure you're dead? They'll try to snap your neck or they'll push in further or bring their fingers from the back and crush up. That's usually what they do. So then you have certain other bones breaking. Now, I, I can say I'm going to claim expertise on this from observing one case in the pathology lab of someone that allegedly hung themselves that in turn was not a hanging. It was a setup. And here's how the forensic pathologist that I observed as a student um, explained it. They manually strangulated him and then, uh, you know, the woman wanted to make it look like the guy had um, committed suicide. So by wrapping, uh, you know, the um, at that, you know, she used like a cord and hang him up that broke more bones because the weight of his body so limp and the way she was like tying it broke more bones. And obviously, you know, she was smaller and raising him up caused bruising somewhere else. And you're like, well, how did he get a bruise postmortem there? So we're going to find out regardless. We're going to find out. But the bottom line is yes. Hyoid bone definitely nine times out of 10 is manual strangulation period. And that's homicide. Now we have to look at the other bones where they done postmortem and that you can tell. You can tell if it's postmortem or not. If the person's dead and then you break a bone, you could tell because almost instantly things change in your body when you're dead. So by the time maybe they strung him up or made it look like a hanging, you know, there's a different type of bruising, a different type of cracking that happens after death. Now, how immediately after death, we don't know, but we're going to see. The bottom line is here, too many suspicious things. They fell asleep and didn't check him. They were or were not really security guards. They were short on staff. Suddenly he was off, you know, suicide watch. Uh, suddenly, you know, cameras were all off too. And, and that day his roommate wasn't in the room. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, Fool me once, whatever. Fool me twice, or three times. I mean, you got to be an idiot. And here we have a lot of fooling in a row. So in regards to Epstein, you know, we obviously know that he was dangerous to a lot of people, a lot of people. And we understand it. We get it. You can't have Epstein flapping his mouth. You can't have Epstein showing you pictures. You can't have him do anything like that. So 
what we need to know is that we know that he was taken off suicide watch. We know his cellmate was suddenly moved the day before. We also know that A.G. Barr and a top brass from the DOJ visited the jail midweek, too. Both of the guards, one of them that wasn't really a guard and they were a substitute, not really fell asleep. The cameras malfunctions, which one? Like all of them on the floor, the whole building, just the ones facing the cell. Like which one? It's just you can't make this up. Uh, You know, and other people are reporting that they heard voices coming from it. I mean, come on, guys. Seriously. The bottom line is, you know, something is up. We're going to get to the bottom of it. They like it or not. And maybe this is just to set a few fires. And you know what I like? I like the fact that the crazy lefties are in on it, too. Even though they're like, oh, yeah, you know, hey, um, uh, what was it? Um, It's Trump's fault. (laughs) Epstein's Trump's fault, too. Because Epstein, because Trump wanted Epstein out. Even though Trump said Epstein's going to be your downfall, Clinton's from the 2015 elections. Apparently, you know, uh, you know, (laughs) it's his fault. Now, I want to point to something uh, that a lot of people, uh, you know, speculating about this hyoid bone uh, are saying. So if you guys remember that atrocious scene in New York, and I was really PO'd. Now, I'm not saying the guy was a saint, but he was still a human being, and life should be valued for everyone. Uh, Do you remember that guy, Eric Garner, where he was pleading for his life to this police officer that used excessive force? And he said, I can't breathe, and the guy didn't really care. The police officer was just not listening. He's like, yeah, you'll say whatever just so I can let you go. And, you know... uh, you know, had him in a chokehold, he basically strangulated him, manual strangulation. So when he had him, and I, and I remember writing, well, I didn't write about it in my name back then. Uh, until, no, actually I did. It was uh, through HuffPo. Obviously I've been scrubbed since I'm a Trumper, uh, where I said that the autopsy shows, and I don't care what the court says, um, you know, and if they try to, you know, uh, let him go, that, you know, his bone had, his hyoid bone had cracked. That is manual strangulation. You don't have to, like, use your two hands or thumbs like you see in the movies. You could do it through a chokehold way, and, you know, if you bend it the right way, you can crack it. Now, bigger people are more prone to it because you can't feel the crack because, you know, they're a little bit chubbier. So, uh, the way it was done was that his, you know, he had him kind of like up and he, you know, the typical way that they restrained them. But when they did the autopsy, they found that it was crushed. You remember? So it actually demonstrated that, you know, um, uh, his hyoid bone um, showed that he wasn't like, um, how do you say, um, that the hired boy said that he didn't die of strangulation, but it is strangulation. The chokehold is strangulation because the hyoid bone is only done through blunt force trauma to the neck. And that is consistent with manual strangulation. So they keep saying that because, you know, he was, you know, um, in a chokehold, they were saying, oh, he didn't die of strangulation. It is manual strangulation. They're trying to say that, oh, it was the compression of the neck uh, and the chest that caused him a problem with his heart because he was fat and, you know, had asthma or whatever. It's BS. The hyoid bone was cracked, period. He murdered that guy. He murdered the guy 
period. He said he couldn't breathe because he was feeling the stress because you can feel it on your tendons when you push back on it. Like if you right now, as you're listening to me, just take your hand, your four fingers gently, not too hard, and just push on your throat right under your chin so it feels the gap between your 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 chest and your chin and you push back. You'll suddenly feel like you can't breathe, you can't speak, something changes. Well, imagine that you're telling, you know, the person that's putting that pressure, stop, Uh, you know, I can't breathe. And then they just pull tighter. That's where your bone is. And when it cracks, you're done. Pretty much you're done. Pretty much. So he was asphyxiated, coupled with obesity, asthma, but he was manually strangulated. So this needs to be pointed out. Okay. So, you know, a lot of people may want to say, that, you know, the chokehold maybe because uh, I saw it go by that the chokehold may have been why, um, you know, at, maybe Epstein was in a chokehold. No, because he's not that fat. Um, his neck wasn't the same size. The reason uh, his hyoid bone broke was because, you know, the uh, cop, when he had the chokehold, he couldn't fit his whole arm under because, you know, the guy was uh, of size. So that's why I'm saying he couldn't feel Uh, where he was going. You know, the guy had more chin, more neck, more chest, right? You know, so it was different. Epstein is more slimmer. So the chokehold would definitely take him out um, as asphyxiation, like pass out, not kill him. So I just wanted to, um, to say that, uh, that, uh, you know, this hyoid bone. (laughs) So uh, telling. Now, A lot of people say that, um, you know, Epstein may have been swapped. I'm, I'm for it. You know, I think that as an asset for the intelligence community, regardless if he was an asset just to protect himself and not an asset to actually provide to the national security. I mean, he might have, he might have told us secrets, you know, for, you know, like, uh, Hey, you know, I'm not really agreeing with this because they want to take out a place where I have a house. So um, I heard that, you know, maybe this Sultan is planning this just on the down low. So maybe he gave some information regardless. He was an asset. And assets get different treatment. And a lot of people will be like, mm, yes, they do. And if I was in a room, you know, considering that Epstein's a deal maker and our president's a deal maker, if I was in the room and I was, um, you know, negotiating with a guy like Epstein, who's a huge deal maker, I would definitely put it forward. Do you want everything? I'll give you everything. But they can't know that I said anything. I want to die with dignity right? Uh, that way they don't attack what people I care about and protect me because I protected them. So I'll give you everything. We'll make, we'll give them the illusion that I'm dead. Okay. And you send me off to wherever I'll go get plastic surgery, dye my hair, new identity, send me to the far depths of the earth. I don't care if I have to live, you know, with the Aborigines, I just need to be gone. Okay. And you can have everything I want, everything you want. Just make me disappear and make sure that they don't know that I said anything or I provided anything. And that may have happened. I completely agree. That may have happened. I mean, we don't know if on the stretcher, you know, the clues that were provided to us because it was put there purposely. I'm just, this is just, you know, hypothetical, right? 
the clues of the pants being the wrong color, his face being red, which would infer poisoning, not manual strangulation again. Uh, manual strangulation would not have you have a red face. Um, and neither would hanging. So, you know, very conflicting, you know, it could have been makeup. I don't know, like something simple. It could have been a setup. We don't know. Regardless, what we do need to know is that our government, our good government, our president says he's dead. So to us, he's dead, period. If he's alive in the background, we shouldn't care. It's done. Because if we saw the next day after he was dead, where were we? Oh, we were all over that island, all up in that island. I want to know how New Mexico is doing. Where's that governor and how's the ranch doing? These are the things we need to pay attention to. How... You know, he made a deal for one, for people to cover for him and two, to provide all information. Now, I'll tell you what, when Hillary gets caught for this Enron stuff that she did with Epstein and they discover these accounts offshore because, you know, his attorneys were funneling money. Hmm? They're going to try to throw Epstein under the bus. And that's where they have all the evidence because Epstein provided it. I'm pretty sure that's the way it's going to happen. And that's how we're going to know that a deal was cut. For now, let's accept that he's dead. Let's accept that we intercepted a plot to kill him. And that's it. That's basically it. Uh, So that is how I would see it on uh, the Epstein side. Now, we're seeing a lot of reports in regards to Maxwell. She's living in Boston. And now suits are coming her way. And people are asking her to pay because... You know, they wouldn't have been sex slaves, uh, you know, without her. And um, she should be the one to pay for this now that she's alive. Um, claims on his estate. So it's, it's, it's pretty incredible what we're seeing come out. I mean, you know, she's been in Boston um, with, um, again, big tech, Scott Borgerson. Oh, isn't that the guy in one of the pictures at the meetings with Epstein that I put up on my articles? Oh my gosh. So, you know, these are, these guys are so intertwined and, you know, a lot of people don't seem to understand that they run in very tight circles, especially the media. And it's really incredible how unredacted black book goes public yesterday how all this stuff about the big tech guys being in bed with Epstein come out yesterday, right? How she's in Boston, how Prince, pedo Prince Andrew's like, oh yeah, I think it's time to step away from politics. Yeah, because you, just, it just so happened right now. Uh, that another NYPD officer committed suicide. Just so happened, right? All of this stuff just so happened. So we needed something. I mean, you know, this guy, Maurice Hill, you know, decides that he's going to shoot up cops, right? One, push the 2A confiscation agenda, right? Two, probably got a sweet deal for his kids. I'm just saying, playing devil's advocate, I put nothing past them. All this comes out and everyone's distracted with a really atrocious incident. So, Here is where Miss Maxwell is living in this big mansion in Boston. And, you know, she doesn't go out. She stays at home. She supposedly lives with a guy. I mean, what kind of guy can live with a woman like that? Like, I would be embarrassed and sick to my stomach unless I participate in those activities, of course. Um, 
her hubby or her boyfriend, um, you know, in tech, younger than her, you know, he's the one that goes out of the house. He, he's like her errand boy. I wonder if he's like her slave. And I wonder if he got investments from Epstein to start his businesses, right? I mean, that's pretty plausible because, you know, he's, uh, you know, really smart guy. You know, he has cargo metrics. You know that? So he um, has pretty big investments. He's a smart guy. I can't say. But he works like on maritime stuff. He used to be in the Coast Guard. So he was a puddle pirate. Um, He's uh, been... Uh, he's many times in his career as a professional, um, you know, he's, um, testified in Congress. Um, he's done a few op-eds. Uh, he's, he's a, he's a pretty smart guy. He's got a PhD. Um, and you know, he's part of the Costas, um, Homeland Security Institute. And so he deals with maritime trade and he's, uh, the co-founder of the Arctic Circle, a global NGO in the Arctic. You know, the Arctic that has a lot of oil, gold, and precious metals, and precious minerals, and precious gems that Pompeo is talking about. Just thought I'd put that out there. So we have um, this younger guy with Maxwell, right? who is her errand boy. He takes the dogs out for a walk. He does everything. And, you know, he's still with her, even though he knows what a monster of a person she is. So, you know, you have to think that how do you, as a person, how do you have a relationship with a person who exploited children for sex? You, you, you can't. I mean, I don't see how you can. So we've got cargo metrics, talking about cargo metrics, right? Uh, So we've got so much going on um, in the Epstein side because his company and Maxwell's doing are going to take down even more people. So it's pretty important that, you know, this this guy who, um, you know, started in the military, served his country, you know, is smart. He's supposedly well put together. Like, how does he end up dating a woman that exploited children for sex? Think about it. How does that even make sense in your mind? How? How is a former U.S. military guy, okay, albeit he was a puddle pirate, regardless, and puddle pirates know how to penetrate borders, don't they, right? I'm just saying. (laughs) They're the ones that are our front lines when the enemy is by our border, when people want to trespass, just saying. So he's he's also the member of, uh, was a member of the Council of Foreign Relations, and he used to be married and had two kids. I wonder, did he pimp those kids out too? Where's his ex-wife and her two kids? I mean, you know what? Actually, we shouldn't even go digging. I would hate for those kids to know that their daddy was dating and living with a woman that exploited kids like them for sex. So, you know, I've tried to reach out to him and I'm pretty sure other people have. And, you know, the only thing, uh, you know, we know is that 
some communication that a friend of mine got was that Maxwell is not at his house and he doesn't know where she is. So that's really weird. You know, for three years, this guy has been underground. He used to be with the, you know, with the more elite social scene in New York, you know, like gossip girl type thing, but for adults. And he just dropped off the face of the earth and he's with her. Uh, he's walking, you know, Maxwell's dogs and pictures that people are showing. So you have to think, like, how does this guy, you know, end up with her? And why is he now saying, oh, well, I'm busy. I'm not around, you know, but she's not in my house and I don't know where she is. Is she there? Or is she not? Is the mainstream media just telling us she's in Boston or is she really in Boston? Where is she? Because if the mainstream media tells us that she's in Boston, either she is in Boston or we already have her. Or, according to her wiki page, she's going to die on the 19th of August, right? Uh, On Wikipedia, they changed her date of death to August 19th, 2019. So we'll see if the psychics of Wikipedia are right. Um, So hopefully we've got eyes on her. But, you know, it's, it's really incredible that, you know, Maxwell is dating this younger guy and living at his house. And it's incredible how, you know, this guy, this straight out guy, you know, tells people that, oh, she was like just a really good friend of mine. She doesn't live at my house, but why are you walking her dog? You know, she shouldn't be at my house. I don't know where her place is, you know. This is the guy that you now, this is what we need. We need the feds all over his company, all over his financials, because this is a guy that knows how to enter the United States. He knows every weakness we have protecting our borders. He's invested tons in not in NGOs in the Arctic, you know, and maritime, his specialty, transport specialty. This is where we need to look into. Now, um, he also claims that the dog isn't, you know, Maxwell's, but it's his. But apparently that dog has been pictured with Maxwell before. So that's super weird. But maybe she was walking his dog. Who knows? Cargo metrics, by the way, needs to be analyzed and looked at. You know, we should also see where they invest. And maybe we should do a little bit of digging into this NGO. Figure out what's really going on in the Arctic. Surprise, it's not Antarctica, though. So... After the break, we'll get into Israel, Omar, Rashida being barred, and more. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says. For the next hour, I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori, as always, Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern Time. So on a more personal note, uh, for those lovely emails that I get from you guys, uh, thank you. I am going to see the ENT today. I mean, 
I think that I might actually have to start wearing hearing aids, which sucks. Uh, so, you know, in order for me to actually listen to what is being played, I'm using like some special like headphones and my family is so tired of me watching TV. They're so tired of me. I think my neighbors are too. Everyone knows what we're watching now. Um, even though I do the whole subtitle thing, I still like to listen, uh, you know, to, um, what people say or when they cringe. And for me, uh, you know, hearing things is very important. Like I, that's my job. So I guess I'm going to have to like, you know, suck it up and maybe find some really cute ones. I don't know, but it's, it's really disheartening because I've seen that ever since, um, they've been blown out and, you know, I had that dumb infection too. I mean, cause I didn't know it was blown out. Um, I'm not hearing that well. Like I can't hear someone that's, you know, five feet, no, 10 feet away from me, uh, speaking in normal tone. So it's going to be really, really hard for me to suck it up. So I'm going today and we'll see how that goes. So thank you very much for the concerns. I mean, every, um, challenge that we have only shows the resilience that we can have, right? So this could just be another challenge. And boy, in my life, I've had a lot of challenges. And the one thing I learned is stay firm to what you want in any challenge, not just like the hearing aid challenge, but when you're going up against really bad people, or when you're stating, you know, your, I would say, stand by your morals, first of all, that's number one. Um, what outcome you want. And then when you're looking for someone to help you, like if you need a lawyer, a doctor, a friend, uh, always look at the people that are good people, people that have fought and have scars and battle wounds. Those are the people that can actually help you. So I'm really grateful that I have a great person, you know, for all my battles. Um, I also have to say that, you know, my attorney in my battles, you know, fighting down these human child trafficking rings within my state and being targeted as such with rubbish. You know, I have a great lawyer who's a very strong Democrat. He loves Joe Biden. So I just want to say it right. You know, a lot of conservatives, they can't stand to talk to people that are opposing to them in what they have to say. I'm okay with it. You know, he, he, he believes in the Democrat party, but he's also a person that believes in the rule of law, which is very contradictory, you would say, but it's more, we have an inner persona and an outer persona. I say kind of like I have an inner persona and an outer persona. My inner persona is very compassionate, uh, is very, um, accepting. You know, I wrote a whole paper, uh, over, over, uh, two decades ago for the government, a report telling them that globalization is inevitable the way we're going because of businesses. I did the whole thing. Even in the portions of the Katrina report, I wrote down how we failed to realize that we needed localization procedures in place for people that don't speak English. You know, not only just our American sign language, but you know, foreigners. And so globalization, you know, no matter how much we try to fight it, the way businesses are set up, the way we are being uh, indoctrinated into it, it is inevitable. So uh, from that standpoint, and I understand, I mean, this is facts, like it's rolling out, inevitable. Even those Islamic nations that want to stay in Wahhabism, the Shias, the Sunni, whatever, and they want to, you know, keep everyone in burqas 
It's not going to work. It's inevitable. China wants to keep them all closed in, regulate their internet, tell them how to think, how to walk, how to do. And they know it's inevitable. And this is why they're investing so much in their cultural appreciation, in their reminding them of their roots. So they, you know, are raised with a certain kind of pride to override, uh, you know, this inevitable wave to globalization. And the reason I say, uh, you know, this inevitable wave of globalization in order to get someone primed to not require a specified identity, okay, to not require uh, specific ways of things to be done or said, you have to remove all the things that make people individual from family to friends, to sex, to hair color, to the way you dress, what's normal, what's not. You know, back in the day, if you went to go get a job at McDonald's and you had horn implants in your face, uh, you'd be like, sorry, you're going to be scaring away the kids. You're not getting the job. Now it's apparently discrimination. If you're flipping burgers at, you know, in and out and you've got, you know, Rastas, you know, you've got your, you know, um, dreads, they're everywhere, hair could get everywhere and you have to wear something that covers it like Marge Simpson, right? That big of a hair, you know, it's, 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 it doesn't make sense. It's a fire hazard. It's a hazard to other people around you. Uh, it's a health hazard because of the hairs. So you wouldn't get the job. But now, you know, like in California, they have a hair discrimination law. So this is an issue, you know, that we're normalizing the not normal. We're normalizing things that um, I don't want to say socially acceptable because I'm I'm pretty I'm a person that goes against the grain. Okay, if everybody's going one way, I love to go the other way. Okay, I'm always going in the other direction. Always. I would like to say um, uh, acceptable by the majority. How's that? So now they are trying to make the minority acceptance acceptable by the majority and the majority to be the minority. Make sense? Okay. Why am I saying this? Because we are not able anymore to point out realistic facts. We are not able anymore to, you know, stare something in the face and say, hey, this is this. It can't be something else because X, Y, Z. And people are like, you're racist. You're a bigot. You don't know what you're talking about. And they shut you up. So facts. Okay. Let's talk about Rashida and Omar. So we talked about it on my show over two weeks ago, didn't we? Where I said, hmm, I don't know if Israel is really going to let them in because they're probably planning something. Well, I can tell you that indeed they were planning something and that was brought to their attention. And now their Congress got together and um, put forward to Bibi and saying, we don't want Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib in Israel. It is going to cause us too much money to have them here because we're going to have to super protect them because they're probably waiting for something to happen. And, uh, you know, these people hate us and we shouldn't have them. Now, trolling the Israeli media with the news breaking that they were discussing it at first, people were like, oh my gosh, Netanyahu's so stupid. He's breaking our relationships up with the Democrats. Dude, the Democrats don't care about you. The Democrats don't care about you because if they did, they would have had Rashida and Omar come forward and apologize for the anti-Semitic comments they made. 
They would also sit there and say, you have to condemn Hamas. You have to condemn terrorists. They've never done that. Because the Democrats are not with the real Israel. With the Israeli people. They're with that little group of Israelis, just like we have that fourth unelected branch of government in the United States. They got one too. Every single country has it. And those are the ones that they're in bed with. Not, not the people. Let's just put it out there straight. So this all came to fruition. And like I predicted, they're going to be banned. Didn't I say that? Mm-hmm. Because they have no business going to a country that they condemn. No business going to a country that they are posing with the terrorists attacking their own country. We have photos, which I'll be putting up soon, right, uh, of Rashida. Okay, Rashida with Abbas Hamideh, who is a Hezbollah and Hamas loyalist. These are the things that we're seeing. They don't need to be in our country. Listen, if countries can ban people for being conservative, we can ban people for siding with terrorists, right? So, you know what? I wish that they did this ban when they were on the plane. So maybe when they came back, we'd kind of think about if we want to let them in too. I'm just, <laughs> just saying. I want you guys to just listen to the Fox News alert that came out this morning uh, talking about it just a few hours ago. Israel has officially denied entry for two Democratic lawmakers known for their criticism of Israel. Welcome to a brand new hour inside America's newsroom. I'm Sandra Smith. The news is breaking fast, and I'm just <laughs> catch my breath. We shall in time, right? Morning, Smith. Good morning. I'm Bill Hemmer. Good morning at home. Israel blocking Congresswoman Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, who have supported Israeli boycott movement known as BDS. There's also brand new reaction from the president who denounced the lawmaker's trip on Twitter ahead of Israel's decision. So it's happening right now, and Trey Yinks has the story. He is live in Jerusalem. Trey. Bill, the Israeli government making a last-minute decision to ban these two congressmen from entering the country. Representatives Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib were scheduled to visit Israel on Friday. Suspected of promoting the Boycott, Divest, Sanctions, or BDS movement, the members will be denied access in accordance to an obscure 2017 law in Israel that allows the government to deny entry to those who encourage these actions within the movement. While Israel's interior minister is responsible for granting visas to all foreign citizens wishing to visit, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was likely consulted on the decision. Fox News can confirm that President Trump spoke with Prime Minister Netanyahu this week about the issue, and this morning the president tweeted, quote, it would show great weakness if Israel allowed Rep. Omar and Rep. Tlaib to visit. They hate Israel and all Jewish people, and there is nothing that can be said or done to change their minds. Minnesota and Michigan will have a hard time putting them back in office. They are a disgrace. Reports do indicate that Israeli officials informed congressional leadership Wednesday night about the decision. Just last month, Israeli ambassador to the United States, Ron Dermer, said his country would not block any member of Congress from traveling here. Last week, 41 Democratic congressmen visited Israel, and this week, 31 Republicans are touring the country and holding meetings. Now, this tweet by President Trump this morning, certainly putting the prime minister in a difficult situation, sort of forcing him to double down on the decision. This will certainly appease the president, but is going to anger many House Democrats. Bill? Thank you, Trey. Trey Yanks, breaking news. All right. So anger, House Democrats, uh, we don't care if they're angry. Were they angry when they were supporting Hamas? Were they angry when they were sp spewing, uh, you know, 
anti-Semitic rhetoric? No. When they made their bill, did they point it out? Hey, you can't say that. Uh, you know, Omar, this is wrong. You know, that's what sucks is that this should have been known. You know, this should have been known that these people don't belong in our house because all they cause is division and hateful rhetoric to spread. Now, I'm not for any other country but America. And as representative of our country, because they represent a portion of our country, they are a disgrace. They should never have been allowed in the house with the rhetoric they have. The hate, the detest for our nation, the nation that has afforded them the right to even run, wherein in other nations, you don't really run, they're just appointed. Listen to what McCarthy says about them yesterday um, for freshman Democrats not attending the Israel trip. Take a listen to what he said. Recess, gun control at the top of the Democrats' agenda. There's also, obviously, immigration reform, and everyone is keeping an eye on Hong Kong, North Korea, and Iran. Tonight, we have a lot to talk about with House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy of California. He is on a trip to Israel. Mr. Leader, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. First, let's start on your trip, uh, what you're taking from it and what you're doing there. Well, I brought 31 of the Republican members over, and we're walking through Israel, our greatest um, ally in the Middle East, the only country in the Middle East that is a democracy. We met with the Prime Minister, Bibi Netanyahu. We met with the Prime Minister of the Palestinian Authority. We're up at uh, the border of Lebanon today looking at Hezbollah's tunnels that they have recently discovered coming across over into Israel. It gives you a very clear understanding of the challenges for a peace process here, but it's a way that that a lot of the new freshmen can see it on the ground. And we actually made it bipartisan. Steny Hoyer and I made sure the Democrats and Republicans came together for a number of days here in Israel to look at the challenges together and understand how do we maintain this bond and even grow it to a future generation. Now, you say this is- now I just want to say it's a bipartisan thing where Democrats and Republicans went to tour the Holy Land. Um, you know, again, I say it, it's it, those trips that I've made have been bitter and sweet for me, uh, you know, seeing changes, uh, seeing a turmoil. I mean, uh, back in my first time, oh, I would have to say the first time I went, I think it was 1992. I was a kid. Um, you know, I toured everything, went to the Jordan River. Um, I mean, you name it, I did it. I actually got food poisoning too <laughs> in Palestine, <laughs> you know, on that side. Um, and I got a drum, by the way. It's like a little handheld drum with like two little balls that you kind of turn around, you know, kind of like, you know how we have the little paddles with the ball attached? Well, this one was like a little drum. We have those too at the dollar store, right? Those little drums with the two balls. It was actually made of leather. Um, and it was probably fresh because I remember that when I got into the cab, uh, to go back to my uncle's house, um, it stunk up the cab and everyone was wondering what smelled. 
and it was my drum. So <laughs> I remember that. But it's really interesting for people that haven't gone. I urge for you go, to go. I mean, it's a lot cheaper for you to go to Israel and tour it and stay there, you know, for a couple of days than it is to go to, you know, Nebraska or Oklahoma or South Dakota or Idaho, you know, to go potato picking than it is. Um, it's, 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 it's a lot cheaper than to just fly within the United States. I've said this before. Take a listen to what else Kevin McCarthy says yesterday. It's bipartisan, yet on this trip, you've also expressed your concerns about the squad, the freshman Democrats, who you say are taking the Democratic Party away from Israel. Explain that. Well, if you look at it, they did not come on the trip with their colleagues. Secondly, if you look at the anti-Semitism that has been growing around the world, we haven't seen something like this since the 1930s. Wait a minute. Did you hear this? Okay, so this was actually taped yesterday morning-ish afternoon. Yesterday night, right, the House Democrats already knew that Rashida and Omar are not coming. And you have to think to yourself, if they're there right now, why didn't they go with them? Why did they want to go tomorrow by themselves? Why did they choose to be by themselves rather than with the group? Think about it. And the actions that they have taken in Congress itself, whereas the Senate passed S-1, it's the anti-BDS, it's the stopping of the boycott, divestiture and sanctions against Israel. Well, that bill passed the Senate overwhelmingly. Chuck Schumer not only voted for it, he co-sponsored it. But when it came to the House, they couldn't pass the bill. They moved a resolution and much of that was to do about this new movement of this new socialist Democrat. And look, look at what Bernie Sanders, look at Kamala Harris wouldn't even go to the APAC meeting this year inside Washington. Unheard of in the process of what's been going forward. There's a number of Democrats that still stand with Israel, but this new social socialist Democrat group is uh, has a much different belief. You know, Axios is reporting uh, that the president told American advisors, including senior administration officials, that Omar, Congresswoman Omar and Tlaib should be barred uh, from going to Israel. Uh, the administration's not commenting. Uh, Israel is not barring them, but any thought on that? Do you think the president had that, those beliefs? I've never heard the president say that to me. Uh, but the one thing that should have happened, they should have come with their colleagues. They should have come together where they could have a meeting with Israel, with the Palestinian Authority, with those who were running against Bibi at the same time. You would get every view that you wanted to see. As long as you come with an open mind, open eyes, and open ears... Are you getting it? Do you see why they shouldn't have gone? Do you see why I stand by my president when he tweeted out representatives Omar and, and Lib are the face of the Democrat Party and they hate Israel? Touche. Amy Mick, J Amy Mack just tweeted out, hey, if you're boycotting Israel, don't be so upset and sour when Israel boycotts you. How embarrassing that they are barred from a nation, which, by the way, according to their religion is not a nation. So, you know, Israel, their passport isn't recognized around the world. Israel isn't even considered a nation in the majority of the Muslim nations, including Somalia. So why would they be so heartbroken that a nation that they don't recognize as a nation has told them you can't come? 
Mm, this is the biggest egg on anyone's face. How embarrassing to go down in history to be a member of Congress and barred from going to a nation. That says it all. Good job, BB, for doing it. And the president making a statement saying that they will look weak if they allow them in. I concur. Israel should never have entertained the idea of letting them in ever, especially when their colleagues are there and they wanted to go separately. Tells you something was afoot. I think you have a responsibility to come here to have an understanding. All right, uh, let's talk about the other issues of the day that are pressing. Uh, the House Speaker is calling for action on gun control legislation. Take a listen. We must pass gun violence prevention legislation. Every day we lose lives. And now public sentiment must weigh in to save lives, to pass our bill, and to look at high-capacity magazines that should be eliminated as well. That bill did pass the House. Eight Republicans voted for it. You voted no on this uh, background check bill that included other things. It's now sitting in the Senate. What do you think the Senate should do? Well, I think the Senate should actually pass a bill that actually works. And you've got to understand, what has this last Congress done? When we saw a shooting like in Parkland, where that individual, and we never want to say his name, the FBI was warned not once, but twice, months ahead of time, and no action was taken. Or we saw that shooting in Texas at a church. What happened there was the National Instant Criminal Background Check failed. It was, it was our own military that no longer gave the information forward, so we changed that. We did a, we did a fix nix in that process. And when you look at the bump stock that came through during the Obama administration, the Trump administration took that back. We would actually like to see something that works in this process. And we're willing to work with anybody. We want to make sure we protect uh, our due process, but we also want to make sure we protect the Americans across for who should have this. All right. Well, these, the president uh, said as well. The president said he wants found, to see meaningful yes. background checks on Tuesday. He said he thinks that Mitch McConnell wants something to happen. You voted against that bill in the House, do you think something will happen on this because issue? That does because that bill does not give you meaningful background checks. You could write a bill that actually does that, and I'm more than willing to sit down with anyone and work on that. And I've talked, reached out to Mitch as well, McConnell, to find a way that we can work on that. I've spoken to the president numerous times. We want a process that works. We also want a process that we have bills on the, we have laws today that aren't enforced. The number of people who try to buy a weapon who are not legally have the right to do it, less than 8% of those are even prosecuted today. I want to go through a couple of issues very quickly. Uh, one is your concern about what's happening in Hong Kong and what potentially the U.S. could or could not do about it. Well, I think, first of all, America should stand with those who believe in freedom. It's a fundamental part of our country. America is more than a country. We are an idea, an idea of self-governance. Remember, this is the 30-year anniversary of Tiananmen Square. That was a, a defining moment when we watched those tanks roll in to the millions of people who stood up and built a statue like the Statue of Liberty just for the idea of freedom of speech. And what's happening in China today, every single person in China gets a social score. They're denied whether they could fly on a plane if they don't speak the way the government wants them to. Inside Hong Kong with those who are standing for freedom. I want them to know that America stands with you. The same as we stand with, with the shipyard workers in Poland in the 80s. The same reason that we stand with those in Venezuela that crave freedom as well. All right. Quick. 
Okay, so the U.S. does stand with freedom. We do accept freedom. We love freedom, but we're not getting involved. And um, though we see our president saying, hey, President Xi, you want some information? Let's chit-chat. Let's talk. Let's see how we can quash this without making you look bad because we know who's working against you. Now, um, right after the break, we're going to delve into something hilarious, okay? We're seeing the left triggered about, you know, contraceptives and birth control, um, and they're trending boycott CV. Yes, let me tell you something. So stupid. So they want to boycott CVS, but all the clowns that are on Medicaid, right? Guess who has the Medicaid contract for pharmaceuticals, okay? (laughs) It's CVS. Guess who has the majority of the contracts by the federal government for Medicare, for old people, you know, that get their medicine either through the mail or they go, you know, yeah, through the mail, mail subscription. It's CVS. So what are they going to be boycotting? They're so dumb. See, this is how you can parse out who has valid and invalid arguments. Ooh, let's block them. Oh my gosh, CVS is Team Trump. Wow, say no more. We'll never see me again. Okay, then. Don't go. But if you're on Medicaid or Medicare, guess what? You're using CVS. So you can't really boycott them. Uh, so this is hilarious. Uh, the, the fake outrage, the insane insane obsession with we're going to put our money where our mouth is even though we're the people with the less money and we don't even work as much (laughs) on that note we'll come back and talk about what we expect in regards to the fourth branch of government because we've been distracted with all this epstein shooting and gun stuff see you all in a few Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam sounds great right even better your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease if you're a u.s citizen between 50 and 80 you can get life insurance guaranteed 
It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219. All right, welcome back to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So again, like I said, for those of you that are just joining you know, um, the CVS is the trend is just hilarious for me, guys. If you're on Medicaid, Medicare, Medi-Cal, they use CVS. Most mail order pharmacies from your private insurance use CVS. The misinformed left is just being applauded and promoted by the fake news. Yeah, keep going. Like, what are they? Okay, just say it like it is. We're just going to ban. We're going to boycott buying shampoo and condoms and makeup from there. Birth control is a medication. It shouldn't be free. If blood pressure medication, epi shots, diabetic medication can't be free, why should birth control be free? I'm just saying. Just saying. It shouldn't be free. I'm all for that. It shouldn't be free. Now, where are we with the deep state, guys? It is coming. Oh, it is insane. So we have Congress in recess right now, right? Do you know that um, Congress is going to be adopting the USMCA right after their recess? What? Did you know that? So it's a really, really important break that they're taking right now. Because when they come back, they have to adopt the USMCA, the United States, Mexico and Canada agreement. Not only do they have to, you know, get it passed and deliver the right policy, but, you know, it's right on time with the issues that we're having with China. So people need to understand that things are changing in regards to the policy times and how we are moving forward. Rudy Giuliani, in a clip that I played a couple days ago, said that, um, you know, his client, President Trump, has been cleared three times. And yet they're still on top of him demanding that he be impeached and you have to think for what because he's not doing what you want for like what is the reasoning behind this you know how are you thinking about this and so you have to think what is it that they are fearing hmm? what they're fearing is what is to come out Barack Hussein Obama was behind this, and President Trump actually tweeted that today, guys. He made it clear, and we've been saying this. We know it. They know we know it, and it's about to come up. Anybody got eyes on him, by the way? Mm. So he's implicated because, again, you can't have 
all of this going on, like I stated in my Peter Strzok article, without the president of the United States knowing what's going on. You can't. He is implicated to the T. He is so, he's the one that gave the actual orders. This is how it is done. You can't have people like Peter Strzok working, right, without giving the order, without getting an order from the president. So we're going to be seeing that happen now. We're going to see that happen. It's going to be crazy, guys. It is going to be really crazy. They are going to be running for the hills and you won't know, you know, what to understand first and how to, you know, put it in, in, in some sense of, 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 you know, like put your ducks in a row to understand it. I mean, you had one of the most covert assets follow Hillary's career and clean up her mess, like, you know, like a maid cleaning it up. And suddenly you had Mueller, who's supposed to be overseeing the investigation, actually they're concealing the investigation. Now, before that, you had Comey, you had Clapper, you had Brennan, all concealing, manufacturing, and obfuscating, and putting things in neat little boxes that could not happen without Barack Hussein Obama's say. There is so much information that I wish I could release that implicate the former president of the United States. He knew exactly what was happening. He knew exactly what their plan was. And he knew exactly what they needed to get it done and he provided to them. This cannot happen again. But how do you make sure that when our president leaves in six years from office, how do we make sure that this is not going to happen again? Because we have the Democrats already beefing up to create a bill to fill their coffers up so they can make sure that in 2024 they win. They already know they lost 2020. And you know how I knew that? I told you this last year. When they pushed this new FEC law where they're going to be taking our tax money, and even if you don't want the candidate that they put up, your tax money is going to be funding their campaign. Remember when I told you that? Well, This is the way that they control the election. This is the way they can make sure that the person has money and this is the way they can sway it by federalizing, centralizing, and having control of the electoral process, which in fact in the law says that it wouldn't start until 2021. They knew exactly what needed to be done because they knew that they were not going to win 2020. They already knew it when they created it. So this facade of, you know, polls and this is all BS. It's perfume, tutus, flowers, and frills. They knew they were going to lose from the legislation they wrote. Like, why wouldn't you write a legislation that says, yeah, from the minute that it's implemented, we're totally taking your tax money. No, they didn't. They said that that happens in 2021. And they said that at that point, the FEC is decided. So you know what happens in 2021? Let's pretend a Democrat comes forward. Let's pretend a Democrat gets selected. Then the FEC will have a majority Democrat selected people on the board. And then when 2028 comes along and somebody else runs, uh, 
we're going to have a Democrat-controlled FEC overseeing that election. You think another Republican or a Libertarian or an Independent or whatever will ever beat the Democrats when they have the majority of the board on the FEC? Are you kidding? No, they're not. They're like, all right, we lost eight years. That's fine. Let him do. We can undo what he's doing. So what we need to focus on is him being able to move forward, make America great again by rebuilding our infrastructure and our economy, exactly what he's doing, right? And keep in mind, we have the mainstream media and the Democrats trying to kill our economy, okay? They are trying to kill our economy for the sake of their purpose. They want to destroy our nation, Because they think that won't get him reelected. I'll tell you one. If I were Trump, what I'd be doing. I would be reinvesting in my infrastructure and my military. I would be ensuring that my border's getting built. I would be ensuring that I've got jobs and low unemployment. In 2019, I would kind of just push out policies that I know are necessary. I'd start the conversation on healthcare and put forward ideas so people know that I'm working on this that makes sense for both sides of the fence, right? For, for you know, the lefties, the righties, the centers, the people that are, you know, outlined, uh, the orbits, whatever, that makes sense. And I would just be talking about them. Because when 2020 comes along and I get reelected, the first thing I'm going to do is shut down the Federal Reserve and bring back gold-backed currency. I will tank the economy myself. This is me. If I were Trump, I would tank the economy myself. I would eradicate the CIA, Haspel, and all everybody down to the janitor out. I would allow my independent in- intelligence communities that have focus on what they are doing. Some that are three letters, some that don't even have any letters and are just numbers. I would focus on them to be able to provide support to our law enforcement. I would have a committee that would gather the intelligence provided by individual intelligence agency, omitting identifying information, omitting anything that cannot be transparent because I want transparency even in my intelligence community. And any information that is being used by my law enforcement or by the committee put together to pool and assess and analyze this confidential classified information is transparent. On those levels, we need transparency. The other ones, they could stay covert. We don't, we don't mind. Because as long as what they gather is not used to implement anything, it stays secret. The minute they say, hey... Like, for example, say the intelligence community found out that um, China, uh, you know, already sent a colony to Mars. And not only did they send a colony to Mars, but they've already built a building there. And not only that, they now created a weapon. Because their plan is, is to blow up the Earth while they bring their most elite Chinese to repopulate Mars and just be the only people. I'm just saying. This is just hypothetical. It's not real. Now, if the intelligence community had that information and they're like, all right, we got to do something about it, it would then go to the intelligence committee. That intelligence committee will analyze that information once it has been cleared by the president that, yeah, maybe we need to do something on this or let's just sit on it and watch it. The minute we say we have to do something on this, it becomes transparent, period. That's where we put it out there because people want to know what's going on. If I find out that there's a terrorist sitting, you know, on a porch having tea, and I'm like, that's a terrorist, 
you know, my president, I will go to my president's committee, you know, on the on the weekly briefs from the secret, secret, covert intelligence community and say, here's what we got. This dude is a terrorist and he's sitting on that porch having tea. Here's a picture. Well, did he do anything? Is he talking to him? No, not really. Then just watch it. So then as you watch it, you gather information. Yo, he called this guy and he got this money and they don't like the way America's so strong. So they want to destroy us. So then the next meeting, you bring it up to the president or emergency meeting if, you know, they're like, yeah, let's do it tomorrow at noon. And then the president's like, all right, we got to move on it. That then goes to the intelligence committee. The intelligence committee assesses, all right, here's what we need to do. Let's pull in law enforcement. Boom. ATF. Boom. Let's get DA. Boom. Because, you know, usually they trade in drug money, right? And they all sit down and it's transparent. The people know exactly what's going on. There's no hidden stuff. No, oh, this is classified. You can't see it. What we need is transparency and President Trump is trying to deliver that. And by providing transparency, it provides security to you and I that we will never see a situation like what happened during the Obama administration. We will never see a situation where we have the media attacking us, the media telling us what to think and how to, you know, you know, what's incredible right now. A lot of people, you know, that are considered conspiracy theorists, you know, are right for the past four years. Alex Jones looks like Walter Cronkite. Okay. And no matter how far fetched you think his ideas is, that guy is on the money, obviously embellished, but you know, it's, it's a business news business. I love Alex Jones. Sorry. I'm a huge fan of Alex Jones. Huge. You know, like if he told me, hey, Tori, want a show on InfoWars? I would totally do it. I don't care if there's memes of me going around in tinfoil hats. Dude, I would totally do it because he got, he has cojones regardless. Sometimes he's overdone on it. He gets passionate about something. I get it. 20 years of saying the same thing over and over again and it only coming true makes you wonder, was George Orwell writing history? Was he a time traveler and telling you about the future? Because that's what it looks like. That, you know, 1984, his book does not look like it was fiction. It looks like it's fact. That is what we need to be paying attention to. The fact that we don't have transparency. The fact that we are not allowed to question what they tell us. So if I were Trump, right after the 2020 election, I would kill the Fed, gold back my currency. And I would tank the global economy, not just mine. But for mine, it would be short term because we have jobs. We already brought the manufacturers during my first four years. Everybody's got jobs. Do you know who's not going to have a good time? The banks. You know who else is not going to have the good time? Apple, Google, tech, right? Other than that, manufacturing, hospitals, car manufacturers, food producers, you know, super, they're all going to still be fine. Because since we tanked the economy and now we're gold back, when we're going to be importing foods from other nations is going to be fine for us. It's the other nations that are going to be struggling. And you will be like, well, Tori, that's not fair to the rest of the world. That's okay. That's called an adjustment period. And they need to learn how to adjust. Because maybe something this radical will actually cause them to reevaluate the state of their nations.
Because right now, no one's evaluating their nation on the basis of focusing on their own country. They're focusing it on a global scale. We need to focus on us. America needs to focus on America, France on France, Italy on Italy, Iran on Iran, North Korea on North Korea, China on China. You know, that's the way it has to be. But instead, we're like, well, uh, you know, what will this country think about if I do this? Nobody cares. What do your people think about it? That, that, that should be your priority. So where are we at? I'm Trump. I just killed the Fed. It's done. It's gone. We've got a gold back currency finished. The next thing I've got is what? I just destroyed the CIA. I pulled the plug. I've created new laws through executive orders and asking for details to be done through the House and Senate on how the process works. Covert stays covert from law enforcement. We need a Chinese wall, you know, between them. They do not see anything that we may gather as intelligence, period, ever. They will never use it. It'll be old school. You'll use whatever you have. No, 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 no spying, no FISA warrants. That, that's only done on the covert side, only if they're alerted. Now, the FBI, local law enforcement can write requests to these agencies, and they won't even acknowledge that they get them. And if they do something, then it'll go to the intelligence committee, which then will get in contact with them. That is how it has to operate to have transparency. That is how we operate to ensure that our constitutional rights are upheld, that due process is upheld, that our First Amendment is upheld, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, all of them are upheld. That is the only way we do it with transparency. So that's what Trump's going to do. And he said it before. We can never have something like this happen again. No, we can't. We can't. We drain the swamp and that's how you do it. You kill their money overseas by tanking the Fed. You pull the plug on, on the CIA and you say no more hiding stuff. Everybody needs to know everything. Everybody. And the information that is secret or controversial or volatile or skeptical or whatever sticks under the guise of the covert intelligence assets, the ones focusing on space, the ones focusing on maritime, domestic terrorism, external terrorism, whatever, whatever, whatever. And that's it. FBI and local law enforcement will have to do it old school, the right way, the way the laws were intended to be placed, period. So now that we've got that out of the way, then what do we do? Then we start implementing laws on Congress and Senate. Money, transparency, how you operate, how you report, how you do things, transparency. No more sweetheart deals. Who do you think you are? Why are we doing this? This is a job. You're a public servant. You're not a king. You're not a queen. I don't serve you. You serve me. So that needs to be rounded out. And, and this is what President Trump is going to do. This is why they're freaking out. But how is he going to do it? By exposing each and every one of them. I've told you that I've got a three-part series on exactly who negotiated the whole steel dossier. I have it. And I was actually asked to not to drop it yet. And I'm okay with that because my sources tell me, please don't put it out there yet. So when it is going to go out there, because, you know, I always send it to other people to check. (laughs) I was asked, hold, 
You know, there was an article going around on how, uh, you know, this L.A. Times guy, this journalist would be communicating with the CIA desk, with the FBI desk, you know, whatever, and sending him articles and saying, what do you think of this and communications? And then he was outed to be a CIA asset. It's not always the case. Okay. Sometimes you just put it out there to let them know the information you got. Sometimes you put it out there because they might even say, Hey, this could breach national security or please hold, you know, and, and you don't have to, you don't have to hold it, but you could, because if you care about your country, you do things for your country regardless. So if someone says, hold it for a second, don't drop it. then it's good. Right. You would do it, right? Obviously, the New York Times wouldn't, but you would do it. See, the New York Times drops whatever they're told to drop. (laughs) So um, here's what's coming next, guys. So we've got names. We've got Durham that just came back from Europe. We've got Misfood on the run. Oh, and did I tell you that everyone missed... You know, I uh, I was going to call George Papadopoulos actually and tell him, and thank goodness I just remembered this, but Misfood was actually brought up in 2017. Do you know that? Yeah, he was brought up when uh, this, right around the time that Comey was getting fired. Yes, he did. And everybody missed it. It's public information. So when I get off the air, I'm actually going to text him and let him know that. I found it in that article that I was, um, you know, crafting about Christopher Steele, because apparently um, someone was being asked and pressured to answer questions about Misfoot. And we're talking like April, May. No, I think it was like March of 2017. That's pretty crazy, right? Wasn't he here in March 2017? Didn't, wasn't he here? Or was I wrong? No, I think he wasn't here. I think it was that Mueller interrogated him and then he let him go, right? And then he disappeared or something like that. Or was it Comey? I have to revisit that. (laughs) You see where I'm going with this? There is so much coming out right now that we have people sitting in Congress, little Schiff specifically. If you read my article on Strzok, you saw what I put about Schiff, right? Oh, not Strzok, Epstein. You saw what I put about Schiff. Do you remember how Virginia Roberts said that she was sent to Thailand to learn how to massage? Remember that? Well, in there, I can tell you that the massage place that she was going to was funded by a company called Little Kids. And that's L-I-D-D-L-E. Funny. Little Schiff, Little Kids. So what's the connection with Schiff? He's actually connected with that group. And that group specifies or you would say expertise is to teach people how to massage babies, pediatric massage and children. Creepy, right? And you know, Epstein is also a donor to that company, but all that's going to be coming out. But here's the thing. Aside from the perverts in big tech, consumer industry giants, right? Banks, the Pentagon, our armed forces. We've got people that we've elected that are pervs. Tons of them. I mean, we already know what a pervert Clinton is. I mean, they're going to go down in history as the most nasty, ratchet, trashy people that ever went through Washington, D.C. 
If Hillary Clinton dies, I'm telling you, if she dies, her funeral should be nothing. Like, absolutely nothing. She deserves no, you know, royal burial, no flags, no bugles from our tax dollars. Let her pay for a funeral just like you. Well, I wouldn't have to pay for mine. I think mine is covered, right? (laughs) But I don't know. Civilians, we pay for ours. So let her pay for hers. I mean, she stole the China. When she left the White House, she's killed people. She's manipulated people. She's killed children, stolen children, paid for stolen children. A lot of people say that's a big allegation. Hey, I believe it. I mean, if you still think that she does all of these things in Africa and Haiti for the sake of caring, you're wrong. Because if you look at the Clinton Foundation, out of all the money they have, only, what was it, 3% of it actually goes to causes because they have to make it look like. They, they spent 15% of the money that came in in office supplies. Like, what? And then you have a woman smuggling kids out of Haiti and then they cover for her and bail her and then they change her name and she heads, you know, now under an assumed name. She works for the national, you know, missing children's, you know, Amber Alert place. Like, are we kidding? Anyway. I'm telling you that something is coming so huge. This is why we're having back-to-back distractions. I mean, look at Don Lemon. CNN just fell on their face. You know, we've got allegations from April Ryan. We've got Fredo, the meathead. And we've got, you know, Don Lemon, the pervert. I mean, we already know he's a pervert. He was having sex with Jesse Smollett. He could say whatever he wants. Oh, we were just friends. Yeah, you were more than friends when you're texting. Okay, when he's in the hospital and you're promoting his BS, fake hate crime narrative. So that's the bottom line. On that note, I wish you all a very great evening. I hope you are safe, happy and healthy. And tomorrow, hopefully, if it goes down this afternoon, we'll have more to talk about on that front. In the meantime, God bless from all of us here at Red State. Those soldiers, do I want to see Corey in jail? Yeah, yeah. Do I want to hear Larry in a cell? Yeah, yeah. Am I done to write with 45? Yeah, yeah. And I really do I feel alive? Yeah, yeah. Will I all slow down the cartels? Yeah, they say, will I vote Trump 2020? Hell yeah. I'm conservative and you can tell. Yeah, yeah. Where we go when we go all in. Yeah. Promises made and promises kept. I can roll with a press like that. Promises made and promises kept. Down at the Trump rally, people screaming so loud, Patriots united, and we're standing so proud, trying to get DC, ain't nowhere to go now, say goodbye to the deep state where we control now. Do I want to see Comey in jail, yeah, yeah, do I want Hillary in a cell, yeah, yeah, uh, now my daughter